everyone, this is Ryan again with the Blockchain Podcast. And today I'm going to talk about different ways to invest or participate in crypto uh, or blockchain technology that produces either an investment return through appreciation, uh, a cash flow, or the ability to kind of earn money through services or creating, you know, some sort of token or uh, blockchain of your own. So I'll touch on the, the latter just a little bit, but mostly focus on things like mining, staking, farming, master nodes, secure nodes, uh, and then... Uh, uh, dabble a little bit into you know how you might be able to build a token or something else on top of something like a, Ethereum. So let's start with something that you've probably heard a lot about, which is the concept of mining. And for a lot of people, they don't quite understand it, and it's still a very weird thing. But overall, you can think of mining as kind of securing the network and providing, you know, a mechanism to validate transactions. So even more simply, think of it as something like your credit card processor or something of that effect, some kind of underlying mechanism that allows a transaction to be proven as valid and for it to occur. And as part of that process, um, you have fees. So fees are paid by people sending Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies typically back and forth. And so the miners get part of that fee because that's included in the block that's uh, validated. Uh, another way that miners get uh, paid is through block rewards. And so this is an incentive, uh, a diminishing incentive over time that is used to incentivize miners to mine as the network grows and more fees are produced. So Looking at Bitcoin uh, in the very early days, 2009, 2011, uh, that kind of era, there weren't that many transactions. And so how do you incentivize people to put their computing power in play to pay for hardware uh, to deploy that without uh, a lot of fees uh, generated from transactions? And so the idea kind of there was, OK, let's start at 50 uh, Bitcoin per a block and then let's have every four years. And that's what it's doing now. It's having every four years. And that's a part part of the reward to kind of bootstrap and distribute coins, but also to incentivize miners. But in the long term, the miners will be getting money from this, again, fees that validate transactions. And so you have the same sort of thing with Litecoin. You have the same sort of thing with, say, other coins like Monero or Dash. To a certain extent, they also have uh, masternodes, which I'll talk a little bit uh, about. But for the most part, if a coin is a proof of work, that's what mining is uh, referred to as this proof of work sort of uh, methodology. Then you will have the ability to use computer hardware, either specialized um, or even more generic, like a graphical processing unit or GPU, to mine coins and generate income from that. So let's talk about that for a little bit and something more in depth. I'll probably create another video around because it is a pretty heavy, deep topic. But generally speaking, uh, uh, you can mine with a GPU. You can mine with an ASIC, and to a certain extent with things like Monero, you can mine with a CPU. Um, the return on that is going to be based on, obviously, how much you pay for the hardware that uh, is kind of your excavator, if you will. Um, and for example, the uh, Bitcoin or a Bitcoin ASIC miner from Bitmain runs between about $1,400 to about $1,600, depending on the batch, depending on how you uh, put your power supply and some other things together. And today, you know, uh, that sort of algorithm is producing somewhere on the order of, you know, tw between $25 and $30 a day. So you can see the payback period is not that long, but also we're in a particular cycle where the price of Bitcoin has been increasing very fast. 
So your profits in dollars per day um, is, is kind of outstripping what is normal. So at sometimes it's, you know, somewhere on the order of $10 per day. And that's if, you know, the Bitcoin price is kind of flat or it comes down uh, or as more miners come on board, if people buy more and more hardware, the block rewards and the fees are split between all these people with all this computational power. And again, this is the same for all the coins. So if you have more and more people participating, the amount of Bitcoin or Litecoin or anything else uh, that you get is smaller. But if the price is appreciating in dollar value, uh, then you can actually hold those same returns for a while. But again, this isn't going to go on forever. But as the network grows, it can be very lucrative to mine. Something um, a little bit similar is uh, proof of stake. And proof of stake is uh, kind of newer to a certain extent. There have been some proof of stake sort of coins like PureCoin that are uh, quite a few years old. But proof of stake kind of rewards you for holding on to your coins and validating transactions. And what you're doing is you're putting your stake of coins at risk uh, to uh, be uh, honest about uh, validating these transactions. And if you do that, then you get a percentage or a uh, a portion of the block reward. In some cases, uh, who is chosen to be the validator is chosen at random, again, weighted based on how many coins you have. So if you have a lot of coins, uh, you're more likely to get more uh, opportunities to validate, but you also have more coins at risk uh, as well. And if you're not a bad actor, you really don't have anything to worry about from a risk perspective, uh, uh, unless someone hacks your account or, or does something nefarious that way. But you can think of proof of stake sort of quote unquote mining as uh, something of a dividend because that's really what it is. You have a certain amount of coins. Uh, you're going to get a, a certain interest rate on that. And that's going to be based on how many coins you have. And that's going to affect how often you're chosen to validate a block, for example. And there are certainly a lot of different variations on proof of stake. And it's also a, an area of development at the moment. Uh, so the methodologies and the exact way that it uh, that the uh, payments are done or how it's uh, delegated or whatever the case may be uh, could change. But for example, Ethereum is currently proof of work. So you can mine it with a graphical processing unit or a GPU and something like an AMD 580 you can mine very well with. You can even mine with NVIDIA 1070s and other cards uh, with the AMD ones though being preferred simply because of the, you know, the, the memory uh, that they have on there is more amenable to mining uh, um, uh, Ethereum. But Ethereum at some point uh, in the future, in the near future, it looks like, uh, is going to switch over to proof of stake. And so miners uh, that are mining with hardware will no longer be able to mine Ethereum that same way. And it'll go to proof of stake. And so people who are holding a lot of Ethereum or even holding some Ethereum will get kind of a dividend for holding it. Now, I do have to say that proof of stake creates this uh, uh, economic incentive to be a good actor, but also creates this uh, economic incentive to kind of hoard and restrict the actual uh, supply of coins. And so if uh, it looks like Ethereum is appreciating a lot, it may be a good idea for someone to hold the coins rather than sell them. They'll get a dividend from, say, their proof of stake uh, sort of work. Um, but at the same time, they'll get appreciation. But if that appreciation ever stops and the reward is quite low for what you're going to get, say the interest rate, you know, people might be incentivized to dump their coins and go to somewhere else where they're going to gain or realize larger returns. 
So it's it'll be interesting to see when Ethereum switches over to proof of stake how smoothly that goes from you know making sure that all the miners are on board that there's not a, a hard fork like we've seen with Bitcoin um, and even if there is I think Ethereum will still continue to move on but then how proof of stake shapes out and how it, what it does to the price you know is uh, will be interesting to see. The other aspect with proof of stake is that you do need to have the coins locked up. So you do have a certain amount of money locked up permanently um, to gain a certain return. Uh, and I shouldn't say permanently. I should say if you want to have that, a certain return, you have to have a certain number of coins. And that's kind of, uh, you know, has to sit there. Whereas with mining, it's uh, it's a little bit different where you buy the hardware and you have your capital outlay up front. And then you're producing a certain amount each day and cash flowing that way. So uh, you still have to have cash, but it's a different it's a different mechanism. And then you also have to just look at what is the reward for each of those systems, depending on the coin. Um, a third way of uh, making money through a cash flow sort of thing is with these master nodes or secure nodes. And so, for example, Dash has proof of work mining and this master node system. And for a master node with Dash, you need a thousand Dash. Now, a while back, a thousand Dash may have not been such a tall order when the price was low, but now it's around $700 a coin. And so a thousand Dash is $700,000 to have a node. Now, annually, those nodes make about 8% in Dash on that 700000 So that's a pretty healthy return, assuming that the price of uh, Dash doesn't drop um, precipitously or by a lot. You know, you can get a good return. And the entry now for new players is actually, again, very, very tall to be a, a Dash master node. So it may not actually be a good thing in the long run because creating new nodes is actually going to be quite difficult. But I think the number that they have now is on the order of 4,000 plus. It's kind of plateauing. But that's another way of making money where you do have your capital tied up in a master node. Um, but you do make a dividend and there is a cash flow aspect to it. Um, similar to like if you had a, a whole bunch of money tied up in stock and you're getting dividends from that. A uh, lower barrier to entry option is Zencash, which Zencash has both proof of work mining, which you can mine with a GPU. It uses Equihash, which is a GPU friendly mining. So like a 1070 or N any sort of high end NVIDIA card can be used to mine it. Um, and then it also has these secure nodes that it's in the process of deploying right now, currently in beta, and you need 42 Zen to uh, have a secure node, and then you produce a dividend based on how many other secure nodes. So if there's a lot of other secure nodes out there, your cut of the uh, block reward's gonna be uh, smaller, but if there's, you know, on the order of a thousand or so, it's probably going to be around 0.3 Zen per day, uh, which isn't too too bad at uh, around $30 a Zen. It's about $10 a day uh, hosted on a pretty easy to deploy um, cloud server. But as the price of Zen cash goes up, uh, then again, you run into not quite as bad, but a similar issue to Dash where the buy-in to get a no gets higher and higher. Uh, but if you look at that in dollar terms, you know, you always have a certain amount of capital that's going to be um, at risk, whether it's proof of stake or whether it's, you know, mining or whether it's the secure node. You do have a certain amount of capital to get in. You do have a certain amount of capital that you can return and all of those return capital on a continual basis. Uh, so they are all cash flow sort of plays uh, with the um, mining only being having exposure to equipment. You know, this capital equipment that you buy, whether it's computers or uh, ASICs or specialized hardware. Um, 
But whereas with proof of stake and with secure nodes or master nodes, you have capital locked up uh, in a similar way to just gaining interest on you know, a bond or something like that. So those are actually the three, you know, most straightforward, biggest ways to make kind of money in crypto from a cash flow sort of perspective. Uh, obviously, there are opportunities for trading with this big bull market. There's a lot of people who are trading now. Uh, I would say that uh, I'm always very leery of trading because you can lose money, you can gain money, and you know it's a uh, you got to stay on it. You have to have a system. You you know you you need to be disciplined about it. But at the same time, I've seen these bull markets, whether it's in commodities or stocks or whatever the case may be, when everything's rising as much as it is, it's quite easy to be a quote unquote trader and be successful at it. But when things change and become more volatile or start dropping, uh, that's when it becomes, you know, a big shakeout for those traders and, and to see who actually survives and if you can continue to make money. So trading, you know, there is risk, but there's also the opportunity to make, uh, you know, healthy gains on a very quick basis in this space because you can have moves of 20, 30 percent per day, which isn't uncommon. So the volatility is, is very, very high. But the risk is also there, but you know, risk return, that's how things are correlated. So trading's a methodology, but again, that's something that I would discourage unless you really understand this space. You've been a trader in the past, you have a system. Uh, it's, it's, it's the wild west out there. So be careful if you decide to go that route. Uh, the other, another route is just straight up investment, you know, just doing research on different projects and different coins that you like, that you think have legs for the future, that you think are potentially undervalued, uh, and just putting a, a little bit of investment, a small portion of the portfolio and saying this is your high risk area over here, but uh, be prepared to lose it all because this is a very volatile space and that's definitely a possibility. But at the same time, you can make quite a bit of money. Uh, my interest in that area is the more obscure coins, the things that aren't so front page like Bitcoin or Ethereum. I'm kind of looking for other opportunities in the space that uh, are smaller projects or have that novel technical applications or have novel ways of distributing themselves or uh, creating a network effect because it looks like a lot of the value that is being uh, created in these uh, coins, and I shouldn't say some of it's just speculative value, a lot of it's speculative value, I'll say, but there's also a network value that is being created. So the more people that are aware of Bitcoin, the more people who start using it, the more uh, that it's used as kind of an entry vehicle in the crypto space, and even Ethereum, the, the more value it'll gain because more people are participating, more people have a stake, more people have, you know, demand for it. And so that's kind of what I'm looking for too is, you know, novel features, but also the ability to create a large network, a large sustainable network. And I, I'm at this point, you know, many years being in this, it does look like that crypto and blockchain and distributed ledger technology all definitely have a space or, or I should say a place in the future. And so yeah, I think it's kind of like the dot com era where the Internet opened up a lot of opportunity. And I think blockchain also opens up a lot of opportunity. Uh, some people are looking at this as Bitcoin, Ethereum and maybe a few others take all. But I actually I'm, I'm not so sure about that. I, it may actually be. There's a bunch of blockchain companies or a lot of, you know, uh, companies built on blockchain, just like there's a lot of companies built on the Internet or built on mobile or built on cloud. So is this a fundamental technology enabler uh, that's going to have a lot of players in this space and a lot of success? And do you want to diversify your portfolio or is this, you know, you know, the top five are going to dominate? And due to scalability issues, due to regional um, kind of preference, uh, different languages, different cultures, different 
different needs. Uh, I, I do see it as, you know, there being a lot of opportunities uh, that will be successful. So I'm actually looking at this from an investment point of view as more of a diversified portfolio rather than, you know, uh, throw it all in the top five and, you know, hope that those take over the world. But, you know, your mileage may be or your uh, perspective may be different. Your mileage may vary, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, make your own decisions on uh, what you want to do, but do a lot of research. Um, and there's always more research you can do in this space. It's, it's changing all the time. New projects uh, all the time, new technologies, but also refinement of technology. Uh, it happens all the time. So just be conscious of that um, and uh, make sure that you whatever you put at risk, you can lose. I, I can't say that enough, whether it's proof of stake, proof of work, sort of mining, you know, secure nodes, master nodes, investment, trading, just make sure that you're willing to lose whatever you put in because it is a very volatile and it is a very early space. And then the last way to kind of make money that I can think of, at least off the top of my head, there may be others, is providing a service or creating something on top of this or using the blockchain, you know, uh, for some sort of application in the real world. So examples of this would be, you know, a lot of people have been launching tokens um, or software or services um, on top of Ethereum. And Ethereum has a smart contract uh, sort of mechanism that allows you quite a bit of flexibility in how you want to implement things. But it also allows this uh, blockchain technology to be used in things like, for example, crowdfunding or fundraising, which has been a, a big craze uh, the last six months. It's kind of tapered off the last three. But, you know, people being able to raise hundreds of millions of dollars in the span of a week uh, because the entire world can participate. And that's what actually fueled a lot of the initial demand for Ethereum was this smart contract technology driven towards crowdfunding. Now, there are probably a thousand other applications for smart contracts. In fact, I know there, there are tons uh, that have yet to be created or realized. And I think that's a big opportunity for people who know software, uh, who want to particip participate in this space. But I'd also say we're in the very early stages where you can think of blockchain as like this proof of concept, or I'm sorry, Bitcoin as this proof of concept for a cryptocurrency application. And then uh, Ethereum kind of brought in this, uh, uh, let's be able to do something, you know, with logic, with uh, a code on top of the blockchain. And there's probably another iteration or two of that where I'm going to call it this real operating system, you know, kind of this WordPress sort of um, feel where anyone with, you know, a, a moderate amount of experience can deploy an application or can deploy some sort of software or service with blockchain as the backend protocol or technology. And they don't necessarily need to know all the nitty gritty. I think when that OS or that front end or that usability aspect is both created and secure, I think you're going to see a lot more things built off of blockchain technology. And uh, it, it's going to be uh, what I'm kind of referring to as Internet 3.0. I don't know if that you know, is, is completely true, but I actually do think there is a lot of merit to that because it's taking this kind of uh, open ledger uh, uh, and making it such that anyone can access it, anyone can interact with it, both economically and technically, and through their service. So there's something there in building more on top of blockchain if you're inclined to do so, or if your background software, or you know, even if you have an idea in business or otherwise, it's worth putting in your mind how you can harness this technology and change how things are done in a lot of different industries. Because I, th I think this is a fundamental game changer. It's harder to understand than maybe the internet or social uh, uh, social media or technologies, uh, 
but it is definitely just as impactful. It's it's maybe even more so because it has the monetary aspect, the smart contract aspect, has banking, has you know all of these things that uh, you know are yet to be discovered and created on top of it. And I think if you can figure something out there, and if you have the passion and the drive and the talent and the skill set and the team, um, that's probably where your biggest money is going to be. That's where billion dollar companies are going to be created on top of this. And that's where, you know, you're going to have the new Googles and Facebooks, et cetera, uh, not disrupting what they're doing, but of that caliber that come out of this blockchain sort of era. So with that, I'll kind of recap. There are a handful of ways to invest, make money, participate, you know, all the way from the mining to proof of stake to proof uh, uh, to master nodes, secure nodes, uh, services, uh, and then investment and trading. So depending on what your skill set is, it's worth researching those different areas, taking a look at the different coins and looking at which ones have some of these versus others and really just kind of jumping in because it's a fascinating space. It's definitely growing. Uh, could be a little bit frothy at the moment, a little bit bubbly, but definitely a sound technology that's going to be here for uh, many years and probably many decades to come. So with that, I'll kind of close out this uh podcast you can find new posts i'm going to be writing up uh, some uh, analyses in the near future at uh, blackchain.co so if you go to blackchain.co check it out sign up for the newsletter i'll eventually get one of those out but uh, um, you can stay connected that way so with that i'll see you next time